We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid Death. Are you thirsty? Parched? Do you like dark and eerie sinister names for your beverages? Then you'll love Liquid Death. Go to liquiddeath.com. Use the promo code BIGBLUE for a refreshing beverage ahead of Halloween. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host Nick Pilato. And Papa's got a brand new mic, baby. Because here I am with my new mic sitting here as you can watch along on YouTube. Or if you're listening, hopefully the sound is noticeably different. I got a mic. I got a mixer. Me and Nick have been messing around with the mixer. My gain is where it's supposed to be. I'm thinking about other stuff and terms I've never heard. Nick will walk me through all that as we move forward. But for right now, it sounds like it's pretty good on Nick's end. So hopefully it'll sound good on your end. But I was very excited to get this mic up, Nick, because, you know, we've heard constant complaints i shouldn't say constant we've heard like one complaint every 25 days or so about the sound coming from my end so i want to turn that around to zero complaints zero days and i want to talk a little giants football with you today nick with my new mic so i'm excited mike sounds beautiful dan great to be over here podcasting with you and you asked me about my family who came to visit me in arizona and there was one detail that i forgot to tell you about dan and it was the main show that we watched while they were over here in arizona and of course that was curb your enthusiasm. So I was thinking about you all the time when we were going nice. through curb, because those were Dan and I watched so much curb back in the day. So that is uh, one show that I introduced to my younger brother and he absolutely loved it. What episodes did you guys watch? We watched season seven. Okay. That's a classic season. That's the Seinfeld season, right? Yes. Yes. Nice. So I felt like it was a little bit relatable since my younger brother's a big Seinfeld fan. That season, it might be the best season they have on a pound for pound basis and episode for episode basis. It very well might be their best season. If I really had to break and, it all down. And now I got carried into season eight and I watched Palestinian chicken, which I think is like uh, the third or fourth episode in season eight. And it's just such a classic, man. It is probably the best episode ever. Palestinian chicken. I have contenders. I think ski lift is up there. I think trick or treat is up there. Um, I honestly think like the ugly section from one of the new seasons is, is, is straight up up there. The, sec- the episode where his friend kills himself because of the Jets. Like this is an epically good episode because within that you also have how Larry and Su- are, is going to the same restaurant and they seat him in the ugly section. And then Susie makes it over to the to the to the pretty section. And Larry's just like devastated by this. Like the fact that Susie's <laughs> over there. He's like, you know, one of his great lines in episode. He's like, you know, I always suspected my whole life that it was ugly. But now I finally have proof. Just self-deprecation line, but let's talk a little Giants football here, Nick. I want to get a quick reaction from both of us 
on this kind of breaking unfortunate news. It just feels like, sadly, this season, man, every time we get news, and this is despite the fact the Giants are 6-2, and two, having the best season they've had in half decade, really, truly, over a decade, when you consider that 2016 season, it was a good season, but it was like, eh, the offense was so bad that year. But so many good things happening on the field, but off the field just feels like every time I get a news break, it's bad news. Today we get the news that Xavier McKinney on the bye week went to Cabo, spent some time on his vacation, uh, went on an ATV, which, by the way, in his contract says you shouldn't do that, but went on an ATV and broke his hand because Rappaport actually reported after. He, he said it was going to be some kind of hand injury that will sideline him for a few weeks. Well, now we have the real news on it. Rappaport said it's a broken hand. The Giants have said as much as we think it's serious because they put him on the non-football injury list, but now he has to miss a minimum of four games. I thought a few games maybe meant like, eh, he'll miss these two against Houston, against uh, Jared Goff and Davis Mills, and I'm like, whatever, and then we'll come back at least for the DAC game, the big Thanksgiving game, but no, we're going to miss McKinney for the DAC game, and we're going to miss him for the Commanders game after that. Then hopefully he'll be able to come back after four weeks. I don't know. Hand issue seems like at least at the very least, Nick, he'll be able to kind of like train his lower half and stay in football shape. You can run on the treadmill, things like that uh, with a broken hand. But I don't know, man. It was just it was it, it just feels like at this point we're snake bitten by these injuries. But I'm almost at this point, like expe expecting it. I wasn't even that shocked. I'm like, oh, here's another injury for the Giants. It's so unfortunate too. Xavier McKinney has this golden opportunity with Wink Martindale's defense as the wearer of the green dot. He's played every single defensive snap, all 506 defensive snaps, and now someone else is going to be forced into that position. I mean, it's unfortunate. I'm not somebody who's going to sit here and just rail on Xavier McKinney for, for trying to enjoy himself on his bye week, but this does seem to be something that the – that would happen to the New York Giants, right? Like, and I hate that snake bitten type of attitude, but we're taking L's on the bye week, man. Losing Xavier McKinney is kind of a big deal because now you're going to have to force a lot of these other safeties into a, a more expanded role. And now I'm assuming Julian Love is going to become that green dot wearer. Has that been confirmed yet? That has not been confirmed, but that is definitely the expectation and the speculation. We'll see there. I want to touch on a few things with regards to this. I want to start by touching on kind of just the hot button topic issue when it comes to this injury. Where are you at with, you know, Kenny was a captain. Do you really blame him for this? Are you really frustrated with him for this? A lot of fans I've seen come out really talking a lot of smack to, McK uh, you know, at McKinney, tagging him and things of that nature. Um, obviously, it's within his contract that he wasn't supposed to be on the ATVs, but it was the bye week was taking some time with himself and you know all indications suggest that this was just a freak accident and that at least according to him it was on a guided tour so where are you at with this with miss mckinney injury from just the player standpoint does this change at all your your opinion on him as a leader as a captain um you know, or even in in some people have you know posed the question i'm not going to suggest that you are one of them and i kind of know your answer already but does this change your long-term view on him at all no, it doesn't change my long-term view. And it, I feel like the way we look at this, it can be a little bit black and white. Like with Xavier McKinney, I don't know the intensity of this ATV ride. If this was him going up and down over, jumping over things and, and then like just like crazy stuff, then yeah, I would say you need to have better judgment than that. But from what we collect from some comments so far through the media, it wasn't that. Ideally, you don't want your team captain to get injured during the bye week. But this could have literally just been, like you said, some sort of fluke type of injury. So I, I just don't have the details as to the extent of the ATV accident. I think it's unfortunate. I don't look down on Xavier McKinney as a leader right now, but I certainly 
I certainly wish that it didn't happen, but I just don't know the extent of how intense the ATV event happened to be for Xavier McKinney, if that makes sense. That does make sense, and that's fair. I don't know, man. I just I can't blame an athlete for taking some time off during the bye week. It's a long, hard season, man. And you're you're putting your body on the line every game. I mean, you even mentioned just a few minutes ago, he's been their Ironman. He is the Ironman of this team. He hasn't missed a snap since week three of last season. So he wanted to spend some time in Cabo, relax, recharge, refocus. It's a mental hurt. You know, it's a lot on you mentally and physically to play football, especially at his level, which means you're never off the field. You're wearing the green dot. So there's mentally taxing. It's physically taxing to the max there. Um, And so I just feel like he got unlucky here with this. It sucks because it is the captain and you don't want to lose him. And we'll talk about what this means for the defense. But I just can't as as from a human standpoint, it it just this is not I don't get like to me, I'm a lot more frustrated from a human level with Kadarius Tony than I am with Xavier McKinney. Just personally. Yes. Everything I've heard on the Tony front, it was mostly him being a bad locker room teammate not committing to the culture, not committing and buying all in. That, to me, makes me more angry than some guy on his bye week just getting super, super unlucky with an ATV injury. I 100% agree with that. And there's actually a part of the Kadarius Tony conversation that I've been just thinking about over the last week or so. Mm. A lot of people were saying that he was fudging the injury. Is that really true or could it? I just kind of think it's plausible that he was healthy and then Joe Shane traded him at the week that he was going to be healthy because Shane even said he was going to practice that Thursday. And if that is the case, is he as bad of a guy as some Giant fans are kind of painting him to be? Well, I think so. It's all speculation, Nick, but yes, I do think you're right that they were whole. They, they traded him when he got healthy because that's when they knew he could pass the physical. And you're not going to be able to pull the trade off with Tony unless he can pass the physical. But as far as the second part of that is, I don't think that he was traded because he was had a lot of injuries during his first two years with the Giants. I think he was yeah. traded because he didn't buy into the culture. And this is just speculation, but I'm, there's too much. And I got into a lot of fights on Twitter last week with some, some people who are just not, you know, you can't speak bad about an athlete. I wish Tony the best. And I'm not wishing him ill will. I hope he does fine with the Chiefs. At this point, it's spilled milk to wish ill will on Gadarius Tony. Like, I'm not rooting for him to get hurt. I'm not rooting for him to be a bad player. No matter what, if he's good or bad, the Giants are not getting him back. And what they're getting is that late third round compensatory pick and a random six dart throw. No matter what, that's the final thing. There's no trade back. So I don't care what he does now, but I'm going to say this. There's too much dot connecting for me, Nick. Like, if he was just injured for a little while, like, I know Joe Shane and the Giants are smart enough on their staff to be like, well, this is bad luck. Injuries happen. They're part of the game and we're not just going to rule him out as any type of you know weapon but for me it's like well do we think he can fit in this culture do we think he can fit in with this offensive system and what we're asking our receivers to do from a mental standpoint all of those factors mainly the teammate and the culture factor are what stand out to me as why he was traded so i don't know it's tough to say on that front but as far as mckinney goes oh yeah go ahead do you have something else on tony yeah, I'm not suggesting that that Kadarius that you're wrong with your assessment of Kadarius Tony or anything like that. But I did see a like a kind of a prevailing narrative that he was healthy and he just wasn't practicing with the Giants. Like I don't necessarily think that was true, even with the tweet that he sent. But I think everything you said is accurate. I think this guy didn't really fully buy into what Brian Dable was selling. He was a little bit entitled, saw David Sills running routes over him, and maybe was a little bit of a malcontent, just a little bit. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. You might also think, hey, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it's because it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is the water called liquid death, you might ask? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst. Their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Look, I've tried liquid death. It's pretty good water. You should go out there and give it a good old chug. People will think you're drinking a beer, but really, you're just hydrating yourself because you're parched. So please, go get Liquid Death at your local Whole Foods Market, Target, and Stop and Shop stores, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. Please use that promo code. That's liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. Yeah, no, I, I figured that. Uh, it's an interesting situation, dude. They dumped a first-round talent who put obvious talent on tape. Like, I mean, the dude had a 100-whatever-yard game against in one game against the Cowboys, and then film-wise, just traits-wise, eye-test-wise, you saw the upside, and they just dumped him, in my mind. Like, everyone's like, some people have said the Giants got a steal there in that trade. <laughs> just count me out of that, man. I'm just not coming around to that one. I don't think you guys realize how late this third round pick is. It's a compensatory pick. This is not a valued asset in the NFL. It's fine. They got something for a guy that they just ruled out, I guess, being a part of this team. But a six is nothing. And the third, you can get a six for anything. We got we gave up a six for Riley Dixon at one point. So, I mean, the six is whatever, but it's fine to have another dart throw. I'm happy they got something, I guess, but it's not a steal. But let's get to the McKinney thing, Nick, because I'll say this. The next the four games we're, we're guaranteed to now miss McKinney are Davis Mills, well, it starts with Jared, yeah, Davis Mills, Jared Goff, Dak Prescott, Thanksgiving, and then Taylor Heineke or Carson Wentz, probably Taylor Heineke. On paper, Dak's the only thing that scares you from that standpoint. But overall, I'm definitely concerned that in all four of these games, there are going to be moments where the opposing offensive coordinator takes advantage of the fact that Xavier McKinney is not on the field. And one thing that came to mind that I haven't seen mentioned yet that I want to start by asking you, and then we'll get into who's going to replace McKinney, how we see the snaps shaking out, things of that nature, which are all important topics that we want to cover on this. But first, just will this defense take a step back from it? Will there be issues with McKinney not on the field, no matter who's on the field, no matter who replaces them? And from that standpoint, Nick, where I'm really most concerned, just thinking back over the last few you know hours of film we've watched of the defense, it's in the run game. I'm even more concerned in the run game because I feel like there's been so many examples that I've seen on film that are back in my mind. They're just like traditional routine plays where McKinney's been that last line of defense and he's he's actually filled in a lot of spots where 
maybe the linebackers made a mistake. Jaguars game comes to come to mind. One of those ETN red zone runs comes to mind. And, you know, just countless examples of him kind of being in the right place, the right time to clean up other mistakes by that sec, those second level giants defenders. <laughs> and now you're going to rely on a rookie to do that. Or maybe this Pinnock guy to do that. It doesn't have many snaps under his belt either, or maybe Jefferson off of IR. So I am more, a little bit more concerned about how this will be for our, our third level from a run defense standpoint. And then from also the underneath throw yak standpoint in the passing game. And just from an overall standpoint, like you nailed it, Dan, all of those things, but Xavier McKinney blitzes. Xavier McKinney is up on the line of scrimmage, batting passes down. He literally does everything Wink Martindale asks him to do. And the safety is a very versatile position in Wink Martindale's system. Like this is a big loss right here. Xavier McKinney, if you were to say, hey, who are the most important people on the New York Giants defense right now and who's playing the best? Xavier McKinney is in top three in that conversation more than likely. And now he is gone. And that's going to affect what Wink Martindale can do on the back end. That's going to affect what Wink Martindale can do from a blitzing standpoint, from a disguise standpoint, especially because Xavier McKinney is so damn good near the line of scrimmage. And he disguises his blitzes so damn well. And he's very good with his timing. I really think this loss really sucks. And I think your point on the second level defenders and, and them just being out of position is a very astute one. It's a very good one because Xavier McKinney has masked a lot of mistakes from Tay Crowder and Jalen Smith, or maybe not even just the mistakes, but those linebackers weren't where they were supposed to be, which forced Xavier McKinney to be that alley defender and be that last line of defense, right. which in other defenses, you don't necessarily need that. Your linebackers are disciplined and they know where they need to be. So this is a huge step down for, for the Giants defense. Now, I don't think the Giants defense is just going to be, you know, terrible now i think they're going to have to really ask players like dane belton pinnock and other players to step up but again quarter that is their favorite defensive yeah. personnel grouping and now you just lost your your primary asset when you're when you are in quarter coverage or a quarter uh d defensive personnel packages quarter again no linebackers on the field you take xavier mckinney off are the giants going to be comfortable running that against 11 personnel i'm not 100 percent certain i'm sure they still will <laughs> if uh if wink martindale really likes if tony jefferson comes back or landon collins what have you but overall man this is a this is a crappy thing to hear on a monday coming out of a bye week and on the McKinney front, I think I've seen a lot of fans mention like has McKinney because this is I mean, box score wise, it hasn't been as good of a season for McKinney as it was last year, just from a pure box score standpoint. But he was in a different role. And I think he's actually played better in my mind on film this year. I don't want to say better. I think he's played as well, because like you said, the main thing that you said, which is why I think I could put him in that conversation is he's done. He's wore a lot more hats this year. He had a game winning tip against Aaron Rodgers that helped the Giants. He had other blitzes, sacks that helped the Giants and just pressures that helped the Giants. He's done a lot of different things, saving tackles. I don't really agree with the Giants fans who have said he hasn't had that good of a year. This is not going to be that big of a loss. I actually think ultimately this loss could be even bigger than what the Giants missed with Leonard Williams for the weeks that he was out. Just because I think that in some ways a safety and now not if Leonard Williams plays like he did last week, right? Like Leonard Williams is an absolute animal. If he could do that every week, obviously that's a bigger loss because McKinney's not making that kind of impact. But as far as some of the other games where like teams chose to run away from giants, defensive line, like Jaguars, Cowboys, like, and then maybe he doesn't get that much pressure against the guard. McKinney is every single play. He's playing a factor in it, right? He's whether he's blitzing, whether he's just being in the right position in the box. Like you can look at it and be like, Oh, Landon Collins can play the box role. Right. Pinnock can play the deep half and they'll figure it out. I don't know if that really accounts for just like what actually happens on a football field. Like traits wise, you can look at it and be like, yeah, Landon Collins is big and could probably fill. Yeah. Pinnock has some range, but like 
As far as just the IQ, that's the thing that scares me the most. He knew this defense inside out. He was wearing that blue dot, whatever it is, for a reason. <laughs> now you have to, what a green dot. And now you have to put now you had to put some guy on the field who maybe doesn't know. Like if you use Pinnock or Collins, how long have they been here within this system? They might be out of position. And that key moment where they're out of position, a big play might hit that changes the game. And that's what scares me the most. Well, think about this, Dan. He wore that green dot. So there's one Giants defender that gets to wear the green dot and is out there for every single snap because he is in communication with the defensive coordinator. And that's Xavier McKinney. And now he is gone. So now that entire process is changed up. And Julian Love, somebody who knows the system, somebody who is really smart, we trust him. He gets put into that position, presumably. He gets right. hurt. Then what happens? Then you're going to put Dane Belton into that position? Tony Jefferson, no. if he's back, I mean, like it, it's a, it's a trickle down effect right now to where this giant secondary is going to be weaker because you have to force a player like Julian Love, who didn't have the burden of all that responsibility now into that role, because Julian Love was more free range. He did a lot of different things. And I feel like he's a very important player to this defense, but now he has to do the Xavier McKinney role, which is going to force everybody else to step up. And I get the whole, you know, mantra, Dan of, you know, you know, you take an injury, you know plug somebody else in and then you don't miss a step, but it's just not that way in, in reality. Right. This is going to affect the entire process of receiving plays and calling plays and people being in position, which could ultimately affect, you know, create explosive plays for the opposing offense. Luckily the giants, and I'm knocking on wood saying this too, because I don't want to take the Texans and the lions too lightly, but those teams aren't the, the teams that the giants have played so far this season, like the Baltimore Ravens or Seems like that. And I was going to say the Green Bay Packers, but geez, what a That's nightmare. <laughs> what a nightmare that what a nightmare that team is. So the Giants are going to really uh the Giants secondary really needs to uh rely on players like Dane Belton, who played what, like 12 snaps, I think, against I Seattle. Like he didn't play a lot against Seattle, man. So that's going to be an issue. And another reason why he didn't play a lot was because they didn't have as many defensive backs out there because there was so much 12, 13 personnel right. run by Seattle. And so that's what I want to get into right now. That last part, we're going to wrap up with this. I'm going to look at it right now as he'll miss these four games and he'll be back for the fifth game. That's where I'm going to, it's a projection, but that's what I'm hoping for. And we'll see what happens after that. He said a few games that shouldn't be too many more than four. So again, Davis Mills, then Jared Goff, then Dak Prescott, then Taylor Heineke. So you have Texans offense, which last week showed they want to use more heavier personnel and they did. And you have the Lions offense, which uses more heavy personnel, but that may change out. Hawkinson's not a part of that. It's hard to see, but I, I still think that's undetermined. Cowboys, we already saw what happened against the Giants in the first game. Wasn't even a lot of heavy personnel. It was just a lot of using the receivers to kind of uh, make an impact in the blocking game. And then finally, obviously, the, the commanders who have an interesting offense. Not a lot of heavy per personnel there, though. That's probably the lighter side of the personnel. That's where you're going to need even more defensive backs. So how do you think the Giants will replace McKinney? on a per snap basis and who do you think has the bit the uh you know who who will play the most in the McKinney absence who's going to and and who's going to kind of step up do you think I think Love gets forced into the green dot and then okay. I think it's going to be Dane Belton into a similar type of role that Julian Love had I think it's mainly going to mean more Dane Belton and then this is where it gets really interesting Landon Collins his role can expand he played what seven snaps in his second game with the Giants against Seattle I think his role can expand Tony Jefferson, is he going to come back off IR? I don't know if that's been announced yet or or what. I think if Jefferson does come back, his understanding in Wink Martindale's system and his effectiveness, I mean, he was fine in the beginning of the season, will lead to more snaps from Tony Jefferson. And then you have Pinnock, who has been essentially just a special teams player up until this point. I like his athletic profile and his range and his size. 
but we haven't seen much of him on defense so far this season. I'm looking it up right now. Jason Pinnock has played one total snap on defense. Mm-hmm. Everything else has been on special teams. So can you really rely on him right now? Like how long has the Giants had this news too? This just happened, right? So the Giants are now prepping for the Houston Texans. It's not like they had that bye week to kind of plan for right. this. They can go and, and, and bring people in and work them out if somebody maybe had some sort of familiarity with Wink Martindale's system. So I think I'm wondering if this is going to lead to more linebackers on the field too, if there's going to be less quarter because the Giants might not trust all of the defensive backs to go out there and execute their assignments to their level. Can't say I'm 100% certain what's going to happen. Either way, it's going to be a downgrade losing a top three player on this defense. That's the last part is what intrigues me the most. Like, will we see some, because we haven't seen much of it, but will we see some examples of like where they got Crowder, Jalen Smith and McFadden on the field for a snap, right? And they just have a more traditional base style defense look that just hasn't been synonymous with too much of what we've seen from Wink Martindale. I ultimately don't think that'll be the case. I think that'll be few and far between, if at all. But they could do some kind of hybrid version of that, right? Where you got Jalen Smith and Crowder, or Jalen Smith and McFadden, or I'm sorry, McFadden. And then in addition to that, Landon Collins kind of operating as like a pseudo linebacker type defensive back, whatever you want to call him. And that's going to depend on what happens with Collins. But I think there's at least a good opportunity for him now that he's had the bye week to get accustomed with his defense and familiar with it. And that could be the key factor that we we pop we might pop up, pop open the you know the snap counts Monday after after the Giants game and be like, oh wow, Landon Collins played this many snaps, and it might just be like this is our best option. And I ultimately think ceiling wise, he is the highest ceiling. I, I like some of what Belton's done. Like I like his baiting of the quarterbacks, but I think Belton is, is a little bit of a stretch as more of an asset to me at least than Collins because I think Collins at least brings something definite to the table and that's the ability to fill like you were talking about before fill the alley play with physicality clean up a lot of the mistakes of the second level guys as far as Belton you're hoping maybe he can play the deep half but it's like I don't personally feel like he has NFL level range for that or at least not high-end NFL level range for that and I feel like that could lead to some issues for the Giants defense if he is asked to play a big role so I would hope that McKinney did a lot of too, right? Like the, right. the single high, like roaming the secondary whenever the Who's Giants were cover one. Now? Is it who Pinnock? is going to? Is it Belton? Like that? That's that's either. That's a big question right there. Is it going to be Julian Love, who I feel like does a good job yeah. of man covered on tight ends? I feel like he's also really effective around the line of scrimmage. I think the Landon Collins conversation is where it gets really interesting, Dan, because he might have been looking at an expanded role regardless of the fact that Xavier McKinney got healthy just because he's only been here for two games, and then you have the bye week. He's just getting accustomed to the system, and now we might see him play a much larger complement of snaps, and he is really good in the alley. I think in coverage, you definitely have an advantage with Dane Belton out there specifically because how he baits and how he just reads the patterns and knows where to be and how to bait quarterbacks. It's really precocious of him, how he's able to do that at such a young age. We saw him do that at Iowa, but in terms of run support, Landon Collins would be that type of guy. I think you're going to see an interesting rotation of those three, Julian Love, Landon Collins, and Dane Belton. And then it just brings us to the Jason Pinnock conversation. And I'm just not certain if the Giants want him out on defense. And I'm not saying that because I haven't liked what I've seen. It's just we haven't seen it quite yet. And if they have liked him on defense in the past, they probably would have found a way to get him on the football field, but they haven't, only for one snap. Yeah, you're right. And ultimately, at least as far as safeties go, like we all, you know, it's great to have the unicorn deep half safety like McKinney. Um, And that when it happens, when it works, like it did a bunch last year and he made interceptions or plays that are broken, make plays on the ball. It's obviously very flashy and it looks good. 
But to me, like the more important role, the most important role might just be, and I don't know, it would be a good argument for me between like filling the alley, that type of role versus just like the ability to match up against a big slot and a big tight end or, or you know, or an, or an athletic tight end on a th key third down or a key red zone situation. And that's where I think this is a biggest loss because if they are forced to use Julian Love in a different role that takes him away from that, then you have to put somebody else there. Landon Collins cannot do that. That's the worst person to put there. I don't think Jason Pinnock can probably do that that well. And I don't really feel like that's Dean Belton's skill set either. To me, the safeties who can match up on the big slots and the tight ends the best by far are Love and McKinney. You've lost one now in McKinney. And now if you take Love and you use him in the old McKinney role, or you kind of use him more in the deep half at times and doing different things, you take him away from that matchup. That's what concerns me the most. Are the Giants going to get crushed more on those key third downs and key red zone opportunities where they've been great as a defense? Is the whole reason why their defense is doing well. Like if you look at the actual numbers from the Giants this year, they're 28th in defensive DVOA. It's one of the worst teams in the NFL in defensive DVOA. Why have they not given up a lot of points? Because they get off the field on third down and because they force field goals in the red zone. And so that's what scares me the most. Those, those I guess, red zone and third down matchups. And on a lot of those matchups, where's Xavier McKinney? He's up on the line right. of scrimmage, right? There's like yeah. eight guys on the line of scrimmage. Who's coming? Sometimes Xavier comes. Sometimes he just presses the tight end. Sometimes he sinks into his own, you know? Sometimes he just mans up. Now you're forcing other players to execute that. Dane Belton in those situations, he's typically, when he is on the field for them, in the A-gap. He's typically the guy who's sugaring the A-gap. And a lot of the times he ends up coming, occupying the guard. Then Kayvon Thibodeau goes wide, and then someone else goes through the B-gap, which is typically open or just isolated against a running back. Now you have Xavier McKinney, who's obviously not going to be there, and you're just going to really rearrange all of these safeties and, and have them do these different types of roles. I don't know all of the rules within Wink Martindale's system on how they adjust against certain fronts, against motion and all that. I'm sure the Giants are up to speed on it, but I mean... It, it sucks overall, man. It, it does because the Giants, there could be more defensive mistakes, more miscommunications and things of that nature that could lead to, like I said earlier, explosive plays or instead of a field goal in the red zone, it ends up being a touchdown, which as we saw against Seattle was something that the New York Giants couldn't overcome when their offense wasn't scoring touchdowns and their defense wasn't holding Seattle to field goals. They end up losing the football game. Yeah, exactly. All right. That's what we have today on the Xavier, Mini, uh, Xavier McKinney injury reaction. <laughs> Uh, keep it locked and loaded. Some more bi-week content coming your way. We'll be taking a, we'll be taking this debate into our own hands, and that's the debate being who's been the Giants MVP through the first half of the season as they went six and two. We'll debate that. We'll have some fun with that one. Talk a little, you know, thirty thousand foot uh, football there because there's some interesting conversations to be had there. Uh, we're also going to do some Giants Giants midseason superlatives. We're going to me and Nick are going to Nick and I are going to give our picks uh, on some of the best players in the Giants and maybe some of the players we want to see more of in the second half. Maybe a few other things coming your way, but definitely look on, be on the lookout for those things for sure. Keep it locked and loaded on the Big Blue Banter podcast. Mailbag should be coming as well soon. I know a lot of people have been sending in questions, asking about that. We didn't do one last week. We'll definitely do one this week, most likely, toward the end of the week. Um, preview the matchup for sure. We'll be looking into that. And let us know if you like the new mic. My new mic. I'm very excited about my new mic. I'm very <laughs> excited about my mixer over here. It looks super cool. Again, I don't know what any of this stuff means, when any of it does. But I will say, after you told me to adjust the gain, it does sound better already. So, look, Nick's an expert in his own right. So, anyway, that's it for the Big Blue Bander Podcast. Have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you soon.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com